all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. And I am very happy it's Friday. So happy Friday to one to everyone out there. Again, I feel like I get to say the past few weeks we've had some pretty nice weather. Um, so definitely uh, get outside and hopefully enjoy the weather. I hope it looks just as good where you are, where I am. Um, and I am so thankful that today is Friday because I was telling my friends and my husband earlier today, I was like, I don't think I liked myself very much this week because I just packed my calendar with so much stuff, things I remember, things I forgot. So happy that I have such a wonderful team of friends and coworkers around me who have been able to keep me on track this week. So um, I am I am definitely thank TGIF. Thank God it's Friday for me. So today I decided that we would talk about urinary tract infections. And I picked this one because interestingly enough, urinary tract infections are actually the most common outpatient infections, which I still kind of am debating that a little bit because I feel like sinusitis and people coming in for their viral illnesses, but maybe they meant bacterial infection. I couldn't really tease that out, but it was actually seen in several of the things that I looked at that said it was one of the most common outpatient infections. And as I mentioned, if you heard the intro, is most women are going to be affected by a UTI at some point in time in their life. And the numbers come up, up to 60% of women will have at least had one UTI. And when I say UTI, urinary tract infection, is kind of what I'm talking about. And so, uh, of course, I feel like I say this almost every time I get on here, your risk of the UTI definitely increases as we age. Um, um, and a about women over the age of 65, the rates almost double um, as far as those that get urinary tract infections. So when we talk about urinary tract infections, to us, that's kind of one big blanket term or UTIs. And so when we say the urinary tract, that means that it could really involve any portion of the urinary tract. So you can get what we call a simple cystitis. So in our terms or doctor terms, as you would say, that would be more of a lower urinary tract infection. So that's an infection that essentially just involves the bladder itself. 
However, as bacteria likes to travel throughout the body, sometimes that bacteria doesn't just like to stay in the bladder and it decides to kind of make its way up what we call our ureters or our little tubes that go from our kidneys down to our bladder. And as that bacteria moves up those tubes, that's what we call pyelonephritis or some people will say a complicated urinary tract infection. And that can affect higher up in the urinary tract, meaning that that infection is getting up to the kidneys. Um, And so we'll kind of explore as we talk over the next hour, how do you distinguish if, you know, you've just got an infection of the bladder versus if it's gotten all the way to your kidneys? um, And why does that matter for us ultimately as well? And so some people call it a bladder infection, I got urinary tract infection, whatever it is, infection somewhere. And the urinary symptom system. So as I mentioned before, it's a very common infection and it's oftentimes seen more in women. And of course, not surprising because it has a lot to do with our anatomy. So um, as we talk about like that, your little urine tube, the urethra for females um, is a lot shorter and closer to your rectum or, or, or um, your bottom. And so that chance of bacteria making it up to your bladder is so much higher in women than it is for men. And so it makes it a little bit easier for the urinary tract um, infections to occur. So that so something that finally kind of makes a little bit of sense in medicine, why us as women and men, this is the one that's kind of clear for us. So yes, women, we get more urinary tract infections and oftentimes it has to do with our anatomy. So as I mentioned before, you know, I get lots of patients come to me sometimes and they're so frustrated. They're like, I did everything right, but I've still got this urinary tract infection. What did I do? Am I not clean? You know, all those kind of things. So there's so many things that are at play when we talk about things that increase our risk for a urinary tract infection. So not just being female, like I just described about how our anatomy ultimately contributes to our increased risk of urinary tract infections, but other things can increase our risk. So one of the them is as many people have heard you've been taught uh, if you've had recent sexual intercourse or um, more frequent sex those things can increase your risk of having a urinary tract infection and with those encounters what type of condom or material you use can ultimately contribute that to as well so if you use a common a condom that had any type of spermicide on it or if you just use spermicide in general that can increase your risk of a urinary tract infection if you've had a history of UTI, so if you had it once, of course, you're at increased risk of having it again. So having had one in the past, whether as a child or as an adult, ultimately will increase your risk. And of course, we know if you've got some kind of immunocompromised state, and particularly a lot of our diabetic patients are at increased risk of urinary tract infections. I think, you know, bacteria love sugar. So a lot of times when people's diabetes, if, you're, if your blood sugars are running high, that is just a wonderful environment for infection. They've got lots of good food to hang out with. And so that's why we really push for a lot of our diabetic patients when we're talking about controlling your blood sugar and increasing your um, infection rate increase. We do know that patients um, have increased risk of urinary tract infection. And one of the things, I don't know why it stuck with me, but when we're studying in medical school, one of the things we learned is, you know, at what sugar do I start kind of pee as we would say peeing out sugar or seeing pee in our urine and interesting when you're 
blood sugars or your finger sticks of blood sugars get around about 180 to 200, that is when you can literally start spilling that sugar into your urine. So again, poorly controlled diabetes is a huge factor um, that can ultimately increase your risk of UTIs. And then, of course, as I mentioned, anatomy, just the way things are made can increase your risk of UTIs. If you've got any kind of structural structural abnormality within your urinary tract, that can ultimately increase your risk as well. So um, anybody's got like a cystocele or something of that nature um, or things are not made quite the way they were supposed to be, then you can have an increased risk. Um, patients who have neurological diseases and have a neurogenic bladder, the your bladder's just not working as well as it should. Those are other things that ultimately increase our risk of UTIs. As I mentioned, our anatomy plays such a huge role in urinary tract infections that we can essentially almost guess the bacteria. So there's lots of different bacteria that can ultimately cause urinary tract infections. There are some fungi as well. So Canada, the things that cause yeast infections and a very small group of patients can cause a urinary tract infection as well. Um, But E. coli, about 75 to 95 percent of urinary tract infections are oftentimes E. coli. And as I mentioned, that's because of the colonization, your rectum so close to the urethra that E. coli is just a common gut Bacteria, so it's common to cause urinary tract infections. But we have some other things, Klebsiella, Proteus, just a fun bunch of fun different bacteria that we can ultimately find out that ca- that causes urinary tract infection. And again, your history can really play onto what type of um, infection that is. So I'll get people that have the wonderful my chart that we look at and they're freaking out when they get their urine culture and they're like, oh my gosh, why is there E. coli in my urinary tract? And I was like, actually, that's the most common cause of the um, urinary tract infection. It has nothing to do with how clean or unclean you are sometimes, but um, that is the most common one that we see. And also, we are uh, things that can contribute to what type of bacteria grow in your urine is if you live in a nursing home, had a recent hospitalization, um, if you've traveled to areas that have multi-drug resistant bacteria, all those things ultimately can contribute to um, the type of bacteria that grow um, in your urinary tract. And so anytime I talk about urinary tract infections, many people already know, you know, ultimately, how do we know whether or not we have a urinary tract infection? So it's usually pretty clear. Most the most common kind of symptoms of what I call a simple urinary tract infection or ones that are oftentimes just limited to the bladder are the things that I get most of my phone calls about. So they're having dysuria. That means you're having pain when you urinate. Pain is different from everybody pressure, burning, um, those types of things, just discomfort when you urinate. Frequency, so you're getting up way more than you were before. Um, that could uh, oftentimes be a urinary tract infection. Urgency, this constant feel like all of a sudden I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. Um, that can be a symptom of a urinary tract infection. And then what we call suprapubic pain. So essentially pain right over where your bladder is, kind of the very low part of your abdomen, um, right there. Um, can you can have some pain right there, and that's where your bladder is. It's inflamed. It's angry. It's got an infection. Um, so of course you can have some suprapubic pain there. And some people, depending on um, how significant their urinary tract infection is, some women can ultimately see some blood. And sometimes that's just from the inflammation in that urethra. You can get some bleeding through there. Or if sometimes you've got an infected kidney stone or history of stones that have become infected. 
you can oftentimes have some bleeding there as well. So those are just kind of some common cause or common symptoms of a UTI. One thing that's a little bit controversial, but in my practice, we see it a lot. Patients that have recurrent UTIs know that this is when they have their UTIs, but the literature doesn't always pan out is that color change or odor changes are not always a sign that you have a urinary tract infection. I usually tell people if you've got a color change and an odor plus all those other symptoms that I just described, then yes, you probably do have a urinary tract infection, but color change and odors can come from something as simple as sometimes different foods we eat can change the odor of our urine. Um, Different, uh, if we're dehydrated, our urine becomes more concentrated or a darker, deeper yellow color if you're dehydrated versus if you're fully hydrated, it's that lighter yellow, almost clear water color. Um, So if you're not drinking enough fluids, then that can change the color and the odor of your urine. Um, And then, of course, other non-infectious causes can cause um, a change in color and sometimes odor um, in your urine as well. So sometimes it's not clear cut as a urinary tract event. Usually dysuria, frequency, urgency, super pupil pain, all those things line up. You probably do have a urinary tract infection. The other thing that can be interesting is some patients that have chronically ill patients or nonverbal patients. Sometimes I will see increase in their seizure activity or things of that nature that can sometimes point us in the direction of a UTI. So we talked a little about urinary tract infections. They can be just at the bladder. And so that's a simple Um, cystitis or infection of the bladder and then we can have what we call a complicated cystitis or pyelonephritis and that's usually when the infection has made its way up to the kidneys and so um, we talked a little bit about also what are some symptoms of UTI like how do I know that I have it we talked you know the typical things pain when I urinate I'm going more frequently it's more urge I'm more have more urgency I have a little bit of pain and in some people you can see blood. Now, interestingly enough, some of our um, older patients, particularly those over the age of 65, don't always have all those classic symptoms. Some are just constantly getting up at night to go to the restroom, or um, they might even have some new onset incontinence or general lack of well-being. You know, sometimes confusion, changes in their gait. I even have... um, one of my patients, she just gets so fatigued and just not herself. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, we do a lot of studies trying to figure out if these things really correlate with us have a urinary tract infection or not. And as usual, sometimes the research is mixed saying that, you know, um, someone, uh, particularly in our elderly patients, that more falls off balance or confusion or not always associated with UTIs, but in our practice, many of us know different. Those that work in the ER, those that work in the clinic know that many of some of our older patients that we clear up their urinary tract infection and we ultimately can help their mental status and other things that they go through. So as I mentioned before, you know, when we talk about um, a simple uh, cystitis or urinary tract infection, those are usually the symptoms of of your urinary tract infection being isolated to the bladder. Now, how do I know that my infection has made its way up a little bit higher? Mainly because we know those symptoms are a little bit different in those patients. Um, So I want to make sure we have plenty of time for our caller. I'll talk a little bit more about what a more complicated urinary tract infection is, but we're going to move on to our first caller. We've got Ann in Starkville. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? 
good. How are you? I'm good. Tell me a little bit about your question. Well, I got diagnosed several months ago with a UTI with E. coli, and it was like over 100,000 somethings, um, units of some sort. Yes, ma'am. And I got um, a round of antibiotics, a couple of rounds, and then I... I didn't get it tested afterwards, you know, because I I was moving. Mm -hmm. But then when I moved to Starkville, I went to a new doctor, and I wanted her to test it to see if it had cleared up. And it was still 50,000 units. But she said, well, she didn't think it needed to be treated. And Mm -hmm. I thought that seemed like a high number. So... What do you think? Sure. So you, you brought up a really good question. My, my follow-up question is, were you still having symptoms when she rechecked you for your urine? Or you yeah. had cleared everything? I. It seemed like the symptoms got better, but mm-hmm. then they got worse again. But I don't have pain with it. You okay. know, it's just little things like bubbles coming out of my vagina. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And, uh, you know, strange things like the odor, uh, but I don't have pain or anything. I do have a lot of urgency and a lot of frequency. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So so you actually brought up a good point. So, you know, it sounds like your original symptoms. So, you know, having that dis- your, that discomfort, um, the frequency that got you to go, they did a culture. So E. coli, so how we diagnose a urinary tract infection is how we look at the colonies and how the sample was taken. So if you did what we call a clean catch, means you just went and, you know, peed in a cup and they sent it off to a lab. Greater than a hundred thousand is actually how we diagnose a urinary tract infection. So that it sounds like, like, oh my God, I've got so many bacteria. That's actually the diagnosis of a urinary tract infection from what we call a clean catch. Now, if we were to do a urine catheter, meaning somebody took a catheter and got your urine sample. We would not require quite as much bacteria to grow because we know that we're getting a good sample with that urinary catheter. So we don't necessarily require as many um, units of bacteria to grow. So the fact that you saw that decrease in number and your overall original symptoms had essentially resolved, like the pain and things like that that came with it, we typically don't retreat that. So nine times out of 10, we do not repeat a, a, a urine sample. So once we've treated treated your UTI, it doesn't seem like you still have an ongoing infection, we typically do not repeat the urine test. Um, So the fact that your original symptoms sound like they'd gone away, except for kind of like I mentioned before, odor, we don't always consider that a cause, especially if you've got what sounds like if you're having bubbles in your urine, other things that something else might be going on. Um, But uh, we typically would not treat that 50,000. Oh, does it does it ever clear up on its own? So, so yes. So some people, just like we talk, there's some infections where we call people sometimes like carriers. So if I were to line some women up and, and 
take urine samples from them and get cultures from them, a good portion of women will probably grow some bacteria in, in that urine. But we call that asymptomatic bacteria. And so if they're not having symptoms, the likelihood of that causing a problem is very low. We might cause more damage trying to treat that than good, increasing our resistance to bacteria and things like that. So a healthy woman can have bacteria in her urine as long as she doesn't have symptoms, we don't treat it. Now, the exception to that rule is if you're pregnant or you're, you know, on chemo or immunocompromised or you've had a kidney transplant and you're very high risk that if we let an infection grow, you could get pretty sick. Those people we treat, but other people, no symptoms. A lot of people are walking around with positive kind of urine cultures. Okay, well, that's reassuring. So really, my worst symptoms are the urgency and the frequency. Mm -hmm. And so you think that that wouldn't be causing that. So my other thing would be making sure that your doctor is also doing a good like vaginal exam because sometimes, you know, postmenopause, like those can be postmenopausal symptoms, urgency, frequency. If you've got some vaginal atrophy, sometimes those women can benefit from like vaginal, just uh, the topical estrogen and things like that. And then also just making sure you're not dealing with other causes of like, like overactive bladder or things of that nature that need to be treated that sometimes will treat. Okay, well, that's reassuring. Thank you so much for <laughs> for Claire. Coming. No no problem. Well, I appreciate your call, Ann. Thank you. <laughs> and you have a good morning. You too. All right. Well, Anne definitely brings up some part, some very good questions this morning. You know, sometimes when you're looking at your lab results and you're like, oh, my gosh, over 100,000, I've got a rip-roaring UTI. That's not necessarily what that means. That's just kind of the colony count that we use to determine um, if someone has a bacterial infection. Typically, if it's a clean catch, like I was telling Anne, um, if you've got 50,000 um, bacteria that grow in your urine and we're not necessarily convinced that you have a urinary tract, infection. We don't treat that number from a clear catch. But if that were to be a catheterized specimen, meaning we got it with the urinary catheter, like I mentioned, then that would be a 50,000 would be enough to say that you had a urinary tract infection. So it varies from from patient to patient and how the sample was collected. So it's always good to have that discussion um, with your provider when they're diagnosing your UTI. Um, so going back a little bit from what I was mentioning before, you know, a lot of times when people say bladder infection, that's what we call a simple or acute cystitis. And they have those basic symptoms, pain on urination, frequency, all those types of things. But then I mentioned complex urinary tract infections or what we might in um for us as doctors, called pyelonephritis. And that is when that infection is no longer just at the bladder, but has made its way up to your kidneys um, via your urethras or the tubes that come down from your kidneys to your bladder. So once your the infection makes it up to the kidneys, Oftentimes, patients have what we call systemic symptoms. So that means those are your patients that sometimes get those really high fevers with their UTIs. Um, they might have real significant flank tenderness. That's that lower back pain that's really tender. Um, you can have chills um, and shakes if we're dealing with pyelonephritis. Oftentimes, those people may have significant nausea and vomiting with those symptoms. So that oftentimes tell me that 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 we're dealing with a more significant infection. And my patients in general in clinic oftentimes look a 
lot more sick compared to my patients that just have the infection in their bladder. So not only can you just get infection in your kidneys from coming from your, you know, urethra up to your bladder up to to your kidneys, sometimes patients that have bacteremia or meaning that they have bacteria in their blood, sometimes the blood, that bacteria from the blood can make its way through the kidneys because the kidneys filter our blood too um, as well. And so sometimes you can get it that way. So you can get a kidney infection of the kidneys from your blood if you've got bacteria bacteria going in your blood. So like I mentioned before, those patients are often a lot more um, sick appearing, ill appearing, um, those of that nature. And the reason that we really care are those are the people that oftentimes um, require hospitalization is if they're having those, not always, um, but if they're having those kind of significant symptoms, those are the ones that we might actually look at putting in the ER so or putting in the hospital. So that's a little bit what we call simple versus a little bit more complex. From M. PB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. And we have been spending the first half of this hour just learning a little bit more about what we mean about urinary tract infections. So we've defined some of the symptoms that patients can have. Um, and then we've kind of talked about the different types of urinary tract infection. Um, so everyone, when they're worried about their urinary tract infection, they're like, all right, let me get to the doctor. Let me get a urine sample and figure out what's going on. Interestingly enough, a lot of our patients, particularly if you're healthy, not have a lot going on and you call us and or you're seen in the clinic um, and you have symptoms of a urinary tract infection, we don't always have to get a urinalysis. It's kind of a slam dunk to us. You've got all the symptoms. If you're exam, you're you know, tender to palpation right there in your super pubic region, then we can go off of what we call a clinical diagnosis. So essentially what you've told us. However, you know, if you're there in the office, a lot of times we'll just go ahead and get a urine in that way, you know, we can kind of see what's going on. So on your urinalysis, you know, oftentimes for a urinary tract infection, you can see uh, white blood cells in there in your urine. You can see red blood cells from that irritation. Um, You can see what we call leukocyte esterase, and that's pretty much something that the bacteria create in your urine that we can test for on your urinalysis. And we can also see nitrites. And again, that's something that bacteria create um, when they're in there. Not all bacteria. So not everybody has to have nitrites in there to have a urinary tract infection. But that is kind of a big one for E. coli. Um, so you oftentimes see that positive. So a lot of times you'll see all of those things um, on a urinalysis. But the gold standard essentially is a culture. That's how we know for sure whether or not, you know, what bacteria is in there, what, which ones are growing. And the nice thing about a culture is it also can give us more information such as what are the best antibiotics to use on that particular bacteria. Um, so some other things that in some other groups, too, if I've got a diabetic who's got a, you know, a pretty high A1C, has gotten pretty sick in the past, sometimes right off the back, even though it's a classic UTI, I might go ahead and get a culture. Sometimes those groups are just at higher risk of um, drug resistant bacteria. If they've had a recent prolonged hospital stay, those types of things. If we're worried about drug resistance, then a lot of times we will go ahead and get a urinalysis and get a culture and make sure we get it right. Right. 
when we send you home on antibiotics. Some patients, too, you know, if we haven't had our period in a while, it's irregular, first time we've ever had a UTI, a lot of times we'll go ahead and get a pregnancy test to make sure you're not, you know, you're not pregnant. Um, and then if you're sometimes having, it's not a clear picture, if you're just having UTI, um, if you've got some vaginal discharge along with that, sometimes in your clinic visit, we'll go ahead and do a pelvic exam as well. So lots of things can sometimes go into your evaluation of a UTI, but if it's kind of like, you know, slam dunk based off of the story you've given us, a lot of times we'll do what we call empirical treatment, you know, treat you with an antibiotic that covers E. coli. Um, And if your symptoms get better, we're done. You know, sometimes if you don't improve, then we might make you come in and do that culture and see what bacteria is growing so we can make sure we get it right. So then the question becomes sometimes, you know, I've, I've now probably made some people nervous. So when I talk about your urinary tract infection being able to make its way to the kidneys. So then your question is, do we need to take pictures of it, my kidneys? Do we need to look at our kidneys? So some of my patients, you know, if they come in, they're looking pretty sick. Um, and let's say you start on antibiotics. And despite starting on antibiotics, you get a lot worse. You get significantly more ill. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll do some imaging. Um, we could do a CT scan, looking at your kidneys, seeing if there's anything that looks like an abscess or something like that around your kidneys that could be making this infection worse. And then in some patients with known history of kidney stones, if you're having a lot of what we call that flank pain, nausea, vomiting, um, you know, we might want to make sure that there's not an infected stone obstructing things. Um, so those are patients that we would consider a CT scan in. Also, in some patients, you can just get an ultrasound because you can see an infection um, with a renal ultrasound as well. So it really just depends on how you present to the clinic or the ER, whether or not they determine um, if you need imaging. The other thing is, if you like I mentioned before, if you're just not improving on antibiotics after two to three days, we'll make sure something's not making um, your infection ultimately worse. Now, as I mentioned with Ann, who called a little bit earlier, there are a group of people that we coincide, you know, just incidentally find all these fun things on their urine, but don't necessarily do anything about it. And I think that makes a lot of patients nervous, but we call that asymptomatic bacteria, as I mentioned before. So so not every now and then, most of my, um, you know, diabetic patients or hypertensive patients, I will get a urinalysis on at least once a year. And I'm oftentimes just looking for blood or protein or things of that nature that, you know, make me look for more more things with their other chronic illnesses and we'll get their urine and they see it on my chart and they're like, Dr. Kinsey, I've got all these white blood cells. I've got these bacteria. I'm not having symptoms, but it looks like I got a urinary tract infection. I need my antibiotic. Well, that's the group where I say it's asymptomatic bacteria. So as long as you're not having symptoms, you're a patient that I wouldn't treat. If you're having symptoms, then of course that makes it a little bit different. And as I mentioned when speaking with Anne, you know, there's still a very special patient population, pregnant women that um, have bacteria, um, renal transplant patients, those that are significantly immunocompromised. Those are the ones that we would treat what we call the asymptomatic um, bacteria. So when you find out you're pregnant, you go in for that first appointment and they get a urinalysis. If it looks like you've got an infection, even if you're not having symptoms, they will go ahead and treat you. Just 
just because we do know that um, you're at increased risk of complications with the pregnancy if we're not treating um, a urinary tract infection. And you're also a group, there's this idea that in pregnancy, you are a little bit more immunocompromised. So that bacteria has a greater chance um, of turning into a significant infection if we don't treat it versus some of our other healthier patients. Um, That is not necessarily the case. So that's um, oftentimes why we don't. The other group of people that sometimes we consider, if I just happen to do a urine on you and we see bacteria, if you've got any kind of significant urological procedure coming up um, where you're seeing a urologist, that is another group of people that they were oftentimes ultimately decide that we should, in fact, go ahead and treat your symptoms. So we've kind of talked about what a urinary tract infection looks like, but what things can kind of look like a a urinary tract infection, but aren't necessarily urinary tract infections. Infection. So, as I mentioned before, you know, there are some patients that can have some vaginal discharge in addition to their dysuria. And that oftentimes goes along more with like vaginitis, just inflammation um, kind of. Um, around the vagina in there. And those are patients that oftentimes we worry more about a yeast infection um, or or, um, or STD or bacterial vaginosis, those types of infections. So sometimes, you know, we don't always do a pelvic exam or we typically don't do a pelvic exam if you just have classic UTI. But if you have something else going on, sometimes we may go ahead um, and do a pelvic exam and kind of examine you for some other things. Um, Also, you can just get some urethritis just inflammation around the urethra where your urine comes out and that can cause um, some discomfort. And so, you know, that can occur sometimes with sexual activity. You can get some um, irritation around there. But again, even with urethritis, you still have um, the increased risk of of the chlamydia, gonorrhea, um, trichomonas, those types of STDs. So we have to make sure that's not what's going on as well. But the beauty of most of those is we can do that with a urine test as well. We can test you for chlamydia, gonorrhea, and trichomonas, those, um, all those STDs with your same urine sample. So as I mentioned before, I know sometimes people think we're so nosy as doctors. It's not to judge is just to make sure we get the diagnosis correct um, the first time. And some other more, you know, kind of serious things to consider is there is PID or pelvic inflammatory disease. So those patients come can come in with lower abdominal pain or pelvic pain and have a fever and have that discomfort when they urinate and all those kind of things, but have something more serious such as pelvic inflammatory disease. And that, again, is where... Um, a vaginal exam can really help us. They can oftentimes, you can see um, discharge at that cervix that tells us some, something a little bit more um, serious is going on as well. So now we've talked, and then the other things that the biggest one that I get that people get worried about is they uh, have some of these symptoms of a UTI and they are in fact worried about diabetes because of their increased uh, urinary frequencies and those types of things. Um, And so that's something I'm always happy to help roll out with my patients um, as well. And so oftentimes in those patients, you can see a lot of glucose um, in their urine too. And that can sometimes points towards whether or not we're dealing with diabetes, but that's oftentimes 
comes with a blood test that we ultimately can diagnose you with diabetes. So now we've figured out that we have a urinary tract infection. So what's the next step? So as we've said, um, you know, if you've got a fat, true urinary tract infection that we've decided, then antibiotics, of course, is going to be your best stay for treatment. And so if you're not having a pretty significant infection like the kidney infection or a pyelonephritis where you're vomiting or you're nauseous and you're having all these fevers and chills, just a simple um, antibiotic pill is fine. Um, you know, the biggest thing is making sure you're not at increased risk for what we call the multi-drug resistant um, bacteria that we worry about. And as I mentioned before, you know, if you've been in a recent hospitalization, live in a nursing home, um, been on antibiotics recently or travel to some countries that have high rates of multi-drug resistance, we can usually use some of the fairly basic um, antibiotics on patients. And most of those antibiotics, as I mentioned, are going to cover the most common bacteria, which is the coli. Um, so first line, you know, a lot of times people will get macrobid or the nitrophenotoin. And then we've got Bactrim is a big one. Phosphomycin is another one. Phosphomycin is a great one because it's kind of a one pill and done. Um, and so how long you're on antibiotics um, usually depends on what antibiotic we use. So some people just three to six days is usually a pretty good course. There's not a lot of studies that say prolonging that makes a huge difference. But again, if I've got a poorly controlled diabetic patient that I'm worried about, I might do a little bit longer course. Um, and then you can sometimes do, um, you know, amoxicillin is appropriate for another particular type of, um, or ampicillin for another particular type of bacteria. Um, it just really depends on ultimately what's growing. I throw that out there to remind patients because I get this so much. It was like, oh, I had some antibiotic in the cabinet. So I started taking it because I thought I had a urinary tract infection. There is actually a rhyme and reason to why we pick the antibiotics that we pick for some patients. So if you got, I don't know, like moxifloxacin, that's uh, what we call a fluoroquinolone versus Cipro or ciprofloxacin, it's very different. Moxifloxacin is a wonderful antibiotic for the lungs. Even though it works the same way as Cipro, it just doesn't get in the urinary tract like it should. So it really essentially does nothing for your urinary tract infection versus ciprofloxacin or levofloxacin, who is a cousin to that one, are wonderful options sometimes for a urinary tract infection because we know that antibiotic gets in your urine and can cure the infection. So we're not trying to make you go buy more medicines like Big Farm kind of conspiracy thing going on, but there's a rhyme or reason to what we do when we're picking the antibiotics we pick. So that's why I don't get too excited. I'm like, oh, I had some pill in my cabinet. And I'm like, no, 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 what we take. Um, so make sure you're talking to your doctor about before you're picking your antibiotic for your urinary tract infection. So, so as I mentioned before, we've been covering urinary tract infections. So that goes from the bladder all the way up to the kidney. We talked a little bit about just the management of the ones in the bladder. We call that a simple cystitis or um, urinary tract infection or people say bladder infection. Um, and I talked a little bit about, you know, just antibiotics and some common ones that we use. Um, and so as I mentioned before, when Anne 
called earlier, um, we don't necessarily, after we've treated you with your course of antibiotics, do a repeat urine culture. Typically, we do not repeat the urine culture um, unless you just are not getting better or we think we didn't get the right antibiotic um, the first time saying, let's say we didn't get a urine on you in a culture and we gave you an antibiotic, you're not getting better. Um, type situation or you've you know gotten better and then we think it's back then we might repeat your urine but we never just once your symptoms have resolved get a repeat urine if that makes sense now patients with a complicated UTI those are patients that sometimes might require hospitalization and those are if you're having a very high fevers if you're vomiting and clearly if you're vomiting you're not able to keep the antibiotic down like you should so those are patients that um, we will put into the hospital or if you look severely dehydrated, looks like you need we need to hydrate you with the antibiotics. Those are ones that we would consider and we typically go ahead and do IV antibiotics on those patients. Particularly our patients, too, if you've got a pretty significant multi-drug resistant bacteria, there are some that we just don't have a pill version um, of the antibiotic for you. So that is a group of patients oftentimes that might require hospitalization and we have to put you um in, in the hospital for your treatment. So what about these other patients? So there are some people like, my goodness, I am just always getting a urinary tract infection. No matter what I do, I seem to get them. So these people with recurrent UTIs are the ones that we are pretty much two or more infections in the past six months or greater than three infections in a year are the patients that we consider having recurrent UTIs. What's interesting is the literature doesn't support all the things that we do and recommend as providers. Um, so, you know, we think our recurrent UTIs, we think are, are people wiping correctly? When you start young, you know, parents teach you from front to back is that there's actually not a big of an association as we thought with that. Holding your urine increases your risk of, of urinary tract infection. Um, hot tubs, you know, wearing pantyhose, um, Lot, uh, if you're not urinating right after sex, that that increases your risk. The literature doesn't necessarily support it, but those are things that don't necessarily cause us harm to try to do um, and try to do them correctly. Um, so making sure you're going to the bathroom enough and not holding it and wiping correctly and, you know, those types of things are not bad habits to have in general. So usually our patients, you know, with recurrent ETIs will tell, make sure you're drinking lots and lots of fluids, two to three liters of water a day, Decrease your use of spermicide. If you have condoms with spermicide or using that gel, that'll decrease your risk of recurrent urinary tract infections. Using the restroom after sex, clearing out that urethra, like I said, even though um, literature doesn't support that, it's not a bad habit to have. Hygiene, making sure we're wiping correctly. And there is some things to support that if you've got, if you're postmenopausal, you've got that vaginal atrophy, that vaginal um estrogen creams, the topical creams can help some of those patients with recurrent UTIs. Um, not necessarily the oral version. It's going to be have, using it topically. And as many of you guys know, um, cranberry products can help as well. Um, and so kind of flushing things out. That is a real de- uh, That is a real thing. The idea is that what's in cranberry juice or those cranberry products um, don't allow the bacteria to stick to the walls of your bladder or your urethra. 
or that tube. And so I'm kind of helping with those recurrent UTIs. Now, I say the caveat to that is my patients that are diabetic. I don't want you chugging all this cranberry juice saying that Dr. Kinsey told me to drink cranberry juice and then their sugars run high. Um, So okay to do sugar free. Um, Or they do have the cranberry tablet. So if you're not a big juice person or want to drink the juice, you can do those cranberry tablets. Um, And so that can ultimately help you as well. There are some patients that ultimately benefit from what we call um, antibiotic prophylaxis, meaning they've had enough urinary tract infections um, that at this time that it helps them just to be on antibiotics chronically. But that's a small percentage of people um, that we ultimately do that for. And we definitely have to do what we call risk or benefits because being on chronic antibiotics does increase the risk of resistant bacteria or um, what people say uh, C. diff infections or allergic reactions to those antibiotics. So we don't take chronic antibiotics um, for prophylaxis for UTIs lightly, but if you need it, you need it. And so I hope just people kind of took away from this hour segment that if you have symptoms of a UTI um, and significant symptoms, drinking drink lots and lots of cranberry juice is not going to kill the bacteria. So if things persist, make sure you're getting to your doctor and getting the appropriate treatment that there are. It's OK if you're getting your lab results from just your routine checkup and you see some bacteria in there. If you're not in that particular groups that I mentioned before, your doctor is not teasing you or, with, or withholding care from you by not treating you with antibiotics if you don't have symptoms and you see bacteria in your urine, that is not uncommon. We call that asymptomatic um, bacteria. Um, And then, of course, just kind of making some of those changes um, in our habits to hopefully help prevent recurrent UTIs in our patients. So I think we've learned a lot about urinary tract infections um, today. And always remember that you guys can always have access um, to these podcasts online if if there's something you want to go back and hear or think that you might have ultimately missed in our conversation today about urinary tract infections, but hopefully everybody learned a lot. And as I say, in all of my segments, it's always just really important to make sure that you're having these conversations with your doctor and expressing your concerns with them when you see them each day. So I want everyone to remember this is Southern Remedy Women's Health. It is a production of the Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and it is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Abram Nanny. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy Women's Health on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.